double bill, double bill. Comparing culture, it's double bill. Putting two things together, it's double bill, it's double bill. Goes together like chocolate and peanut butter, like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, like a hamburger and a bun, like baby ducks and staple guns. Record scratch! Double bill, double bill, comparing culture, it's double bill. Putting two things together, it's double bill, it's double bill. Hi, I'm Mikey P, and the name of my Jaeger is Pepsi Clear McRib. Hi, I'm BWJ, Brian Watson Jones, whatever. The name of my Jaeger is Phenomenon. And I'm Joshua Humphrey, and my Jaeger is Kitsune Fireball. <laughs> That's right, I went there. Yeah, we probably should have started with you. Yours sounds real. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine a, like a f- huge mecha that is shaped sort of like a fox with a bunch of tails coming out of the end. <laughs> and just... Curling up into a ball and firing at I a bet big it fly with that many tails. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a big rotor. <laughs> we need to talk about that. <laughs> Today on Double Bill, what are we doing, Mikey? We are doing my my Derber Brews, uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, 1956, the uh, remake from the 1954 original Godzilla, um, with Raymond Burr, Perio uh, Maison. <laughs> You're just embarrassing yourself. Now. I am at this point. <laughs> and then we're, uh, we're double billing it with uh, uh, keeping these topical Pacific Rim. Yeah, which, I want to be topical. Oh, which which, yeah. which 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 boils which boils my guts. I'm so happy about this movie coming out. Big big robots versus big monsters punching it out on the big screen. I would hope that I would hope that if I was alive in 1956, I would feel the same way I felt last night when we watched uh, Pacific Rim as I would watching Godzilla if I lived then. Mm-hmm. If you understand what I'm saying, I'm pretty yeah. sure I'm pretty sure a giant robot would have whooped the shit out of the man in the suit. The man in the suit would have had his little tiny arms going, "Okay, I'm trying to like navigate this," and then the mecha would have came up and went. Boom, boom, boom. And then they were like, fuck this, and flicked him off and ran out to the sea. Radiation okay. breath. Radiation breath, right. Fuck Glowing. you, radiation breath. Fuck uh. you, radiation breath. Uh, so, we started off with Godzilla. We did. Mm-hmm. Ryan brought over some sushi. It was delicious. Yes. We didn't it, share it, it with Mikey. No, no, I... Mikey I, was already full of food. I gorged. I gorged. Ah, not just sushi, but gummy army men. We yes, gummy, gummy army men as well. Felt appropriate. We had, like, and I... Green apple deliciousness. So, mm-hmm. although I don't really recall any army men really in Godzilla, I suppose no, they were like police officers. The, it felt appropriate. It felt thematic. It was appropriate. I seem to remember. I seem to remember seeing it, and I thought there was a lot more like fighting of Godzilla, and mm-hmm. I felt like in Godzilla, the original, there was a lot more of like this spectacle and awe of watching him do his destructive, fan, fantastic things of like knocking over buildings, mm-hmm. knocking over like trains. I don't. I, <laughs> So what's your what's your history with this film? Like, oh, why did you pick it in the first place? Well, Joshua, Godzilla. Well, Godzilla is the king of the monsters. Of course, right? Yeah, Godzilla yes. was. I mean, Godzilla was always on undisputed, undisputed king of the monsters. Godzilla was always on. Uh, well, often disputed, but eventually proven in subsequent movies. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh well, yeah, every <laughs> subsequent movie is about disputing him. But network <laughs> network television. When I was a kid growing up, uh, network television and and cable, early cable like USA and all this were always about Godzilla. And I and I grew up. With like Godzilla, with with Rodan, with you know like I mean we flying turtles, stupid shit like mm-hmm. that, you know, and Mothra. all that Mothra. Mothra. Uh, See the only the only Godzilla film I saw repeatedly that we had for some reason at home on VHS was Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, the yeah. Dora, <laughs> oh, which yeah. had this weird '70s sequence where everybody was dancing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there was like Mothra and stupid, I mean, stupid shit like that. And then as a little kid, around the time that like Spider Man and his Amazing Friends came out, and like all the balancing act of the awesome cartoons of the early 80s I mean we had uh, we had Godzilla cartoon you know he rises in the air 40 stories high breathe fire Godzilla and I was like yeah and like I made sure I had like a TV and the camper to watch this shit uh, I was wondering where that theme song came from. Oh fuck! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah! And so that was like that was the that was the brilliance of of how much gigantic monsters. And then I had uh, the Shogun Warriors, 
which uh, was a predecessor of like Robotech and a lot of the anime that Americans had. So the Shogun mm-hmm. Warriors were like giant robots with like flying in like pilots that would you know like like Guy King and 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 uh, like I mean all these guys were like. Uh, like the great Mazinga with like giant swords, and then eventually Golion. You know, we had Voltron. Right. So Godzilla, I remember watching, and that's why I thought like going back. I'm like, I remember the Raymond Burr version, but I don't remember. I I don't remember. I thought like they fought him more. I thought they can't like the army yeah. came out was like fuck you Godzilla, but everyone was like no, he's destroying things. Let's find well, a scientist. Like, Let's watch. Godzilla is there, right? And I think the the. The sane reaction is actually like, that's a big fucking monster. I'm not going to go anywhere near that. Whatever right. we do, we can't do anything. We're, right. We'll just stand here and watch. Yeah, see, I, I don't know. I'd ever seen the original Godzilla. I own the Nintendo Entertainment System video game. So I'd played as Godzilla or Mothra fighting his various villains. I remember playing as Ramp. Take that, Gigan, but not but, Godzilla. Um, I, Rampage. Yes. I know I'd seen a couple of the Godzilla sequels where it's Godzilla versus, you know, a robot version of Godzilla brought here by aliens Mecha for some Godzilla. reason. Mecha Godzilla? Or, yep. Yeah, or Smog Monster, various fellows. Gadzuki <laughs> was a, a little Various fellows come to town and I just, I just like, like that. No, I think not. I like that image of them just showing up in top hats ready yes. to do battle. <laughs> Leaving the business card. Ghidorah. Uh, Ghidorah. Basically Mr. Peanut. Uh, Mr. Ghidorah here to see you, Godzilla. I'll fight him in the back lawn. But, no, so I'd seen those, and they were very much more, you know, goofy. Hey, let's. how many cool monster fighting scenes can we fit in this? Do we have to put a narrative in? To, I guess we have to put a narrative in. But otherwise, sure. monster fighting scenes. I, I mean, and I kept... I want to make sure I say this on the podcast. I kept <laughs> them at home, but I still have my great Mazinga, like, rocket-shooting robot. <laughs> Three-foot rocket-shooting robot. And my three-foot tail-attached, fist-shooting Godzilla. And... Well, I mean, that was my toy from my childhood, like, putting in the bathtub and, like, watching, like, Lego buildings go down. And I was just like, yeah. So when the idea of of things fighting back of these, of, of monsters the same size, it's not like it's a, it's a foreign concept, like, oh, this is super cool. It was a question of patience, I suppose. A question hmm. of patience. So with Godzilla, we have um, the original movie that came out in 1954. Um, and then they re-released it in 1956 for American audiences with um, Raymond Burr. Raymond Burr. So like all of there. this, I didn't know going into this. Mm-hmm. I just thought we were watching the original Godzilla. It was this. It just re- happened to have some uh, an American in it mm-hmm. for some reason. Uh, but watching it, it was like uh, like it's cut for American audiences. So there's stand-ins for actors and you're just, you're seeing Raymond Burr, who is just sort of a chubby white guy kind of. And, uh, you're, you're seeing the back of the heads of all these Japanese. Yeah. Just talk overdubbed. Overdubbed. So he's like, so tell me, tell me what, tell me what's going on right now. And then there's like, and there's Burr's name is Steve Martin, which is just funny on its face. Right. I know. Although it is easy to remember. It is really easy to remember. Although we're calling him Raymond Burr all the time. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> I found my special purpose. Okay. Note to Steve Martin: Do a remake. <laughs> it's got to be better than. It's got to be better than. No, the but literally this, the same sort of remake. Just take the 1954 version and replace all the Raymond Burr scenes with actual Steve Martin. See, I think yeah, it could work. that one's free. in this age of digital technology. Yes, it could work. I could see that. Mm-hmm. I think he did that with Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, and I, he's probably not going to regurgitate that. Well, and he's also retired from acting. But nonetheless... Nonetheless. We should actually talk about what's actually happening in this film. Peshaw. Peshaw. Monocle drops. What's really really happening in this film is that we... um, We... The beats... It's an 80-minute movie. I want Mm -hmm. to point that out. It's a very short movie. So if anybody's interested in, like, renting it, Netflixing it, um, and, like, I want to see Godzilla, King of the Monsters, then you're in for a shorty of a night. Um... It still exhausted me. Like, I was engaged for two and a half hours with Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. But this one, I was like, God, Jesus Christ, something happened. It yeah. is a 70-year-old movie now. Yeah. And it's so, old. And so 60. it's a 60-year-old still. movie. And still, the it, it does the thing. <laughs> it doesn't help that it's that 60-year-old movie. Because the whole, like, they wait to show the monster until later, which we all get excited for now. Like, Jaws did it and Alien did it. Mm-hmm. With this one, it's like, okay, let's get to it, because there's a lot of talking, a lot of science. Well, there's also, we know what the monster yeah, looks like. Yeah, we know it, what the monster looks like. There's been 30 sequels, so. 
So uh, now we have okay. I mean, eventually we have like some boiling water miniature scenes, mm -hmm. and then finally when we get to it, we have a puppet with glowing eyes. Yeah, she well, has see, arms. I, I had a similar uh, problem keeping engaged, and I think a lot of that was the intercut Raymond Burr stuff because it's all completely it's, unnecessary. It's really, yeah. it's all, it is really all completely unnecessary. Yeah. And then those scenes where there's actual Japanese, they're just dubbed over with narration. Right, and that, so even that really yeah, yeah. tunes you out a, a little bit, but that still worked better because stuff is still happening in those scenes. Whereas in Raymond Burr, it's just Raymond Burr running into the backs of heads of other characters sure. and them explaining what just happened mm -hmm. or in telling a way them to that go an American will understand. Like, mm -hmm. Well, maybe you should run into this guy. That's a good idea, Steve. I'm going to do that. And or the, the scene the, happens that would have happened anyway. The really exciting things what happened in the, in, the, in the science lab where the scientist, who is a hero, uh, is... is like giving all this, like you know, like we're this is what's going to happen to save the whole movie. I'm like, it's boring. <laughs> it just it bored the teats off of me. At the same time, once once it all got said and done, I think we we saw a monster, we saw buildings destroyed, we saw a lot of fire, we saw a lot of miniatures, we saw basically what any one of us can do if we like set up a Lego village, put on green tights, and start stomping through it, and said growl. I'm down with that. Let's do that. I think we could do that, actually, if we pool the resources of the Twin Cities theater and film community. I think we could make a, our own Godzilla film. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's wait till after Fringe. Godzilla, yeah. 2014 Fringe. There right? <laughs> and, I mean, that's I mean, this it. Stomping on Bambi, stomping on Lake Calhoun. Um, Godzilla versus Bambi. Godzilla, Godzilla versus the Loch Ness Monster of Lake Nokomis. Noki. Noki? Noki? Sure, why not? I think there the there's actually a name for the Lake of the Isles. Eilie, Eilie, Eilie. That's actually pretty. Eileen. I like that. It's pretty. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I my my biggest my biggest reason for picking Godzilla first, King of the Monsters, was that I wanted to have uh, the the relative. I wanted to have the grandmother, grandfather of right. of the current kaiju. I think the word you're yeah. looking for is progenitor. The yes. progenitor. Of the of of the genre, the and, iconic creation of giant monster comes yeah, and, from sea, and we have the giant monster is basically a fella wearing a big foam rubber suit and somebody like pulling a cord at the back of their mouth at the right moments to like open it up. And I liked I liked the fact that it wasn't like fire breath necessarily; it was mm -hmm. radiation. Breath. It was radiation breath, yeah. and the radiation breath had had larger implications. And let's talk about for one second. Oh yeah. Let's talk about the fact that it was radiation breath versus like fire breath because, wow, let's talk. I mean, eleven years after Nagasaki and Hiroshima, nine years, nine years for fifty. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, nine. Sorry, beg your pardon. Nine years. I mean, this is like probably a movie that has like a bit of a resounding impact. Oh yeah, um, definitely a huge resounding yeah. impact. And they're talking about this thing coming up from the sea, from the you know the Pacific, Pacific Ocean. Da 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 da. da. And I imagine it had to have had like just a. Like, ooh, oh, yeah. well, it was, oh. it would, like people with like bubbles and blisters and dying of cancer yeah, and like dying radiation of strange sickness. burns hours so, after attacks happen. And just in terms of conceptualizing what Godzilla meant to the Japanese people from me, Joshua Humphrey speaking in 2013, right? Mm -hmm. Nine years after Hiroshima and Nagasaki, so it has this radiation undercurrent to it. It's also Godzilla, in terms of the film itself, he is seems to have been around for a long time. The yeah. Islanders, where he was uh, first found off the coast of, like, they had sacrificed virgins every year to mm -hmm. this monster that lived within the sea. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he was the monster was changed at all because of nuclear testing or yeah. because well, they, of the bombings. They theorized they that theorized the nuclear it. testing will come up, but they also I'm theorized not, he was a dinosaur from two million yeah, years I'm not ago. Really, so right. the science really, is a little off. I'm not really confident on their science, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like two million years ago, <laughs> you know the Jurassic period. Yeah, and like, yeah. Huh? and it, that's actually interesting. Something to bring up in Pacific Rim about dinosaurs. I'll we'll bring that up later. But uh, <laughs> in terms of like, he's a lot bigger than a dinosaur really would be. I yeah. think quite a bit. Yeah. So but I don't know if significant more amount of radiation. Yeah, exactly that too. Uh, but I don't, so I don't know if that was caused by said radiation. Like it's, right, it's a growth yeah. thing, or if he was just always like that. And are in uh, there and are there Godzilla? -i? Are there more out there? It certainly seems like he could be not the only one. That's what the 1998 movie posited. That there were more? Yeah. Oh, That's there. where they made all those sequels to the 1998 movie. That's because... 
<laughs> the sequel is that they're Whoa. still trying to burn in a big fiery pit. Um, I think uh, from a from a flash standpoint, I really I'm a big fan of this. I love the footprint shot. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. Uh, it's just a it's nice it's it's on the beach. Subtle. There's the tail print as yeah, it breathes yeah. through these uh, feet. It's great. I, yeah. I am. I'm always and and I'll say this for movies like The Thing. I'll say this for movie any movie where like scale needs to happen. I love the sunk in footprint shot yeah. where everybody's like. This is not possible, and then they're like, "But it is possible," you know. Right. And then with the thing, well, there's like the shot with they're all like holding hands around the like landing site. That's that's awesome to me. Yeah, well, it's it's always strange to have this subtly unsettling thing mm-hmm. in a movie about a giant monster attacking a city. Like yeah. that's not a subtlety film. So like, having a subtle moment. You're lying. Nice. This isn't. No, no. There's yeah. there's video footage of a footprint with claws and sinking in. This is this looks like a. A biological right. entity. Oh, the villagers did not make this in five minutes to play a prank on us. This, no. Yeah. And they, I mean, it, they treated. And here's the other thing: they treated everything a bit seriously. I like mm-hmm. that they treated a whole movie quite seriously. Like this is a monster. This is happening. There's well, well, we could probably you know probably go into the you know allegories about it, but seriously, they treated the whole issue like there's a monster that's coming up. We need to figure out what to do to defeat it. Yeah, and, and then they set up that whole electrical grid around Tokyo, yeah, around yeah, the sea, yeah. thinking that like blasting Godzilla with what three thousand volts of electricity is going to stop him. Well, just discourage him. It's like an invisible fence for a yeah, dog. Yeah, exactly. And he just walks up to it, breathes his radiation breath, and melts it, and walked right through it. Yeah, right. Radioactive fire breath. Yeah, mm-hmm. radioactive I love fire. It. I love radioactive it. fire. I don't know if it's coming from a sack or something, but well, his um, his radioactive his sack plates would gro- would glow. To trigger that's it. true. So that, was, that was that yeah. was my... they restored. He's just storing radiation there. Yeah, probably. Not sure how it works really in practice. No, but no. Well, the scales know, were like little like. That's why the clouds. dinosaurs are extinct now. Radiation poisoning. Oh, because of Godzilla's. Yeah, that's a hell of an evolutionary adaptation. You just start breathing radio radioactivity at your fellow dinosaurs. Well, it turned out to be a dead end adaptation. That's why we <laughs> haven't developed it yet. We are so changing the direction of this double bill. <laughs> Challenge. Who says this has to go anywhere? Pseudoscience. Like, exactly. Oh, another interesting point um, that I wanted to bring up, uh, similar to the allegory thing of like radiation nine years after Hiroshima, the American release 11 years after the end of World War II was really... That came up for me watching the movie. Like, this is a movie 11 years after World War II ended where the Japanese Navy is the good guys, mm-hmm. where the Zeros that are flying around are the good guys trying to save... Humanity, which is really weird because that was very recent. Right, right. Wow. Okay. That's actually an interesting point. I mean, the baby booners at that point were 10. So mm-hmm. the people bringing him to the movies were the people who remembered Japan being the horrible villain, almost worse than Nazis. Right. Mm-hmm. And I want to so. talk a little bit more about like the American cut in the end of this episode because I think it's important in terms of the connection to these films because I think we talked a little bit about it off mic yesterday yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what else do we have to add for Godzilla oh the uh, I don't know if we brought this up or not I, I apologize if this is redundant uh, another difference from the Godzilla sequels that I'd seen is how much more the focus is on the human toll mm-hmm. which is a lot spinning off the you know this is an allegory for nuclear weapons but how much of the focus of the film is on how many are dead, how many are missing, how many people are packed right, in hospitals. Right, right, right. Whereas in future films, it's just giant monsters walking around and presumably empty office buildings exploding. Mm-hmm. The very few shots of hundreds of people with horrible burns in hospitals. But we're going one, down in like we're going down like bunkers, like yeah. underground bunkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this one didn't pull the punch even with the American recut. You had Raymond Burr digging himself out of rubble with mm-hmm. huge gashes on his face. Terrible. I mean, it's just. I mean, y'all are probably too young to remember this one. But the longest day, the in 1983. The when they actually aired a, a TV special mm-hmm. with Steve Gutenberg and Jason Robards about an Jason actual, Robards about wow. an actual how'd they get him uh, a nuclear strike that happens and lands in in Lawrence Kansas hmm. freaked me out as a little kid because it actually showed what would happen mm-hmm. if we got hit by a bomb and basically they got into the collateral the whole episode the whole 
three-hour movie was about like people with radiation burns finding their homes like seeing like Lawrence and Kansas City and like the whole area like just ruined and that like was visceral when I was like mm -hmm. nine and ten years old like oh my fucking god uh, well we now know that nuclear bombs are bad if right. you didn't figure this out like it's, it's one thing to have two people posturing across the ocean uh, and this like seeing that was like I it made me actually a little bit uncomfortable like mm -hmm. god now it's, oh, yeah. I mean we're talking about you know, it, it, a, a, a giant lizard who is not just like destroying a city, like knocking over buildings. We're like, well, we can rebuild buildings, but it's irradiating things. Mm -hmm. It's giving people cancer and burns that can't be healed and can't be have a salve slapped on it. And mm -hmm. that was like kind of frightening in my mind. I'm like, mm -hmm. that's a, that's like, I mean, the the subversive threat of 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 cancer, of burning, of all that stuff is a lot greater. Than the stuff that we see now, when we see movies like Man of Steel, when we see Avengers, we see things where buildings and like cities are eradicated, and where it's like it happens, or even right. Dark Knight Rises, where a football field is like blown out. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, even real life now. I mean, 9/11 was horrible, mm -hmm. but you know, aside from maybe some asbestos dust in the air that the rescuers had to deal with, that sort of thing, the aftermath of it was, you know. It was rubble. We had to clean it up. We had to mourn. Da 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 da. da. But it we, wasn't radiation that but made we the learned. area uninhabitable but for years. We also learned at that time that you know, uh, fuck. It's not just the radiation. Boy, that 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 rubble, that dust, can fuck people up. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, the 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 threat is actually bigger than just like the idea of like an imagine. I mean, dust is a bad thing. Not just allergies. Like the, the like you you're inhaling shit. You're mm -hmm. like getting things falling on you. It's like wow, we've seen these images now, and we've seen the fact that they're a lot more dangerous than we really want to like. And at that time, it, it's a frightening it's a frightening thing to like view and witness. And Godzilla stops being, in my mind, a really simple, easy like '50s movie like The Wolfman or Dracula, and it becomes a little bit scarier. Like all right, so we've got you know radiation. It's not a terrible movie. And, yeah. Well, a lot of, well, the stakes a lot are a lot higher in this yeah. one than they are in sequels, where it's just will Godzilla beat the Flying Three? Yeah, or Mothra, Dragon Man. or Rodan, right? Will right, Mothra right. get her tiny women back? Exactly. We want those tiny women back. Well, you do. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Which is why I, I don't need those tiny women. I feel like. Yes, we know. <laughs> Shall we segue into Pack Rim? We are going to take a break first. Oh yes. and then we'll <laughs> talk about Pack Rim. Welcome back to Double Buell, and we are now going to uh, segue from Godzilla, King of the Monsters, into Pacific Rim, Duke of the Monsters, <laughs> the Duck of Death. Um, I'm going to say this: I've been waiting my entire life for like a live action movie with giant robots versus monsters since a little kid. I think the the most terrible thing about Pacific Rim was the three weeks I had to wait to see it after you decided <laughs> to do it. <laughs> because I was like, oh, I really want to see that. Oh, Mikey wants to do it as double bill. Okay. When are we going to go see it? <laughs> we appreciate you waiting and Thank not, like, you. going to see it and then spending I almost did. double bill. We we, 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 instead of seeing Pacific Rim, we went and saw R.I.P.D. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. I seriously want to double bill that with Men in Black. I'm curious. I think I don't know if you're. You should be that curious. No, <laughs> I think it's. I think it's been done. And thank you for being like my my high five. Like like. Yeah, I was right there. That was, yeah, that was great. Thank you. So and, I felt like a little kid watching this entire movie. Yeah. It just made me feel... I think this is the best blockbuster I've experienced I've had mm. since like maybe like when I was a kid and saw Jurassic Park. Wow, right, 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 right. Oh, it was... It was it, and we saw it in 3D. It was in IMAX or, you know, fake IMAX. IMAX fake right. fake it was, IMAX. It was FIMAX. Fomax. It was 3D. And to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do this mildly in reverse... I love the natural shit out of the fucking fights. Ah, the robot versus monster fights were exactly like how I walked in with high expectations. Everyone was like, "This is this is," and we talked about this afterwards. This is not a this is not a huge blockbuster. This is a blah 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 blah. blah. No, robots picking up like tramp 
steamships and using them <laughs> as like clubs. I still love that taking down taking down the kaiju Brooklyn style. Yeah, to death with a bat, pounding and just the uh, the personalities. It was great. It was great. So mm-hmm. in terms of like the film and what's happening, in <laughs> case anybody who hasn't seen Pacific Rim or uh, has no conception, yeah. Of in it, case anyone didn't heard giant robots versus monsters and didn't figure out half the plot <laughs> they're instinctually, not, <laughs> they're not robots. They're mechas. Monsters, they're kaiju. I, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you over the sound of my not caring. <laughs> At all. At all. Oh. I made a note earlier in the day just like saying if anybody called them giant robots, I was going to pounce on you with mechas. No, you, all right, so, you so what we have your here. Rage, huh? <laughs> I did. All right, what we have here is that they, they, they introduced the movie very simply saying that the monsters are referred to as kaiju. Uh, they come up through a fissure in the Pacific Ocean, uh, an interdimensional fissure. So mm-hmm. they're not coming from like the center of the Earth, but uh, but like a weird like rift. It's a tunnel. As a, it's tunnel. a wormhole. Yeah, it's a wormhole. And in order to combat them, they do things ass fucking backwards, and they don't put a wall up like we all commented. They do this after the fact, but they mm-hmm. build giant robots called Jaegers, hunters in German, and they do this. In the form, uh, and they explain this in the form of a very, very brief uh, introductory moment. About ten minutes of the movie is set up to do this, and it's perfect. That's all we needed. We don't mm-hmm. need to. We don't need to have this fucking candy ass three and a half hour movie. Mm-hmm. They just set it up, and you're like, fight, mm-hmm. and it, it becomes awesome. It becomes a video game. It becomes your your nerdy child selfs. Uh, whoever yeah. watched Robotech or, or Voltron coming together or even fucking uh, Power Rangers let's go there uh, coming together mm-hmm. and fighting and that is brilliant that was my yeah. foot um, you get the apocalypse porn of watching a giant monster take out the Golden Gate Bridge yes. or approach the Sydney Opera House yes or, yeah, yes just, yes Yes, and it just it just made us all real. I mean, we all cheered. I loved the fact that we all had that, and even everybody. It, it was a very sparsely attended after three weeks, mm-hmm. which I thought was a little July strange. July 12th is when it came out. Yeah, a little yeah. strange. Two and a half, three weeks later, quiet theater, but still there were cheers, and I liked that. I liked I think we were the loudest, to be honest, in the audience. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it wasn't a seven o'clock. It was a seven o'clock show on a Monday. It's true. I mean, it, it you was. Know, it's a quiet That's time. Good for timing on our part. Oh, so, yeah. in terms of more of the plot, if you want to hear more of the plot, uh, <laughs> Yancey and Raleigh, Raleigh, Riley, Riley. They call him Riley. I yeah. said it two times the incorrect way. <laughs> but our brothers who that'll piloted, get your ass kicked. Who pilots uh, the Gypsy Danger? Gypsy Danger. Gypsy Danger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're brothers, and they have this. Yeah, there's this each, connection. Each mech requires two, two pilots, pilots in order to share the load. Because one person piloting is too much of a mental load. They'll mm-hmm. go. They'll start bleeding out their nose. Yeah. Just yeah, they're, their brain. Basically, actually, a psychic link to the machine. We, so, we're doing this explanation backwards, also. Yes, exactly. So, in terms of like, it's some sort of like mental holding. Like, there's some sort of mental connection. And the right. the people who are mech or um, Jaeger pilots, which are the, what are the mecha are called, uh, sort of work in sync really well with each other. Another another couple Jaeger pilots are a father and son. Yeah. Uh, another one are like lovers. Another are like three Triplets. brothers. Yeah, the three bro- brothers from China, which was really cool in it terms really of yeah, the three arm, the three arm, three arm Jaeger with the fucking. Oh, with the shuriken hands. Yes. Oh, so like go, yes. go gadget buzzsaw hands. Right? I don't really think there's much to say about the plot of this film. It's mm-hmm. it's the plot is basically there to set up all of these fight sequences, and it's mm-hmm. and yeah. it's and not to denigrate the plot at all. It sets it up very well. Yes, yeah, like it, it's well it's acted. Very, it's really it's very believable, internally consistent, it, yeah. believable in terms of you know they're giant monsters coming from a dimensional rift on the bottom of, of the ocean, but right. still it's it's believable. <laughs> And giant robots to fight them instead of big bombs we can the monsters the so. monsters are are a credible threat they're mm-hmm. not just set up to be like these mindless bullshit things that like come out of the ocean that mm-hmm. are easily defeated like uh, the the plot device that we're all accustomed to is when Voltron comes together or when the Power Rangers come together then you were like now they're gonna win but mm-hmm. in this instance the monsters are like no. We we need to win too, and so there's like really awesome fight sequence, like the action sequences for the monsters. Now let's denigrate a little bit, and I think that what happens is the the human portions, the portions that have to deal with the actrons, are the ones I cared less about. 
uh, I cared less about uh, Mako and Riley and 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 Idris uh, Stringer Bell. Yes. Would you care more? Grand Marshall would you Stringer Bell. would you have cared more about Grand Marshall Stringer Bell of the fucking Aquatennial Gypsy yeah! Danger Aquatennial Monster Kaiju Jager? Would you care more about? Michael and Riley, Raleigh, Riley, Riley. He got pissed when he got called Raleigh. I know, and then I totally cemented his the wrong pronunciation in my head because <laughs> Charlie Hunnam's mad. But Charlie Hunnam, yeah, Charlie Hunnam's mad. Uh, would you have been uh, more interested in their relationship if there was actually a full blown love story there? Uh, no, because they uh, they didn't give us a love story. I, and I was like, yes, yes no yeah, love story. Yeah, yeah. They start, yeah, I think. I agree it was less interesting, but the reason it was less interesting to me is that it was very standard. Yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing. If you're making an action movie, you tend to have a pretty standard plot. You have you have three plots to choose from, and we went for the one where, you know, it turns out the head of the good guys isn't working for the enemy. You know, mm-hmm. we, that's our brave choice. We went with plot A. We gave the inspirational speech, standing on something slightly higher than all of the pit crew. Yes. Yeah. What I love about that inspirational living speech. in the past and decided to start right. living in the future because he met this girl, right. even though it's not a right, directly right, right. romantic subplot. No, it's just like they're two broken people trying to right. do a thing. But it, it's still, it, as much as that's not necessarily a bad thing in an action movie blockbuster, it still felt like, okay, now we've gotten to part four of the standard movie plot A. There's part five. All right, we're progressing along this very. We're playing Candyland. I, I mean, and I get, the, I get the, I get the segments, and I get the. I mean, I get the way that it, it navigated, but and in between, the, the navigation happened between the action sets, mm-hmm. and I felt very Matrixy in terms of certain sections where they had to sit there and have like. A well, dialogue. it's a, it's a video game. Yes. Action sequence cutscene. Action sequence cutscene. Mm. So. Yes, and I, I thought that there were. I thought they were extraordinarily sh- like, why the fuck did you do like we're gonna figure out how compatible you are by beating the shit out of each other with you know bow or Joe staffs, you know mm-hmm. like we're gonna beat the- each other up. That's how we figure it out. Or there's there's no need when the world is now being en- ensconced upon by monsters to have like a guy be like, you gave up, you gave up. It's like no like. I'm so glad you came back. Please pilot this yeah, fucking we, thing. We have six we pilots. Need you. Maybe you shouldn't try to scare one of them away. Right, mm-hmm. right, yeah. right. And then, like, we have the fucking bulldog, which, I'm sorry, that dog needs to come home with us. Yes, it needs yeah. To be, it needs to, like, do a uh, double bill of his little... Big ol' I was really hoping, dog. like, the dog and his owner were... Ki- or Drifting. Yeah. They were just so in sync. <laughs> and then, like, when he drifts into the dog, he's like... No, that, that's an unlockable character. You have to beat the game on extreme the dog kind, of, the dog gator. <laughs> the dog Can you imagine mental drifting with a dog? I bet it's great. Probably better than yeah. You. you could probably do like a vertical thing where the the Jaeger's got four legs and it does the running, and you've got the arms and you do the punching. Well, why not? That would. I mean, I bet, <laughs> let me tell you something. Okay, so so here we have we have. Uh, all right, this is somebody's fanfic somewhere that they beat off to. Now, yeah. Now, rule thirty three. Uh, rule thirty four. There we go. Let's get technically nerdy first. Really brief second. So Guillermo de Toro decides to do this movie, and we and you and I have talked about the fact that we we dig the shit out of him. He's done Hellboy. Oh yeah, two, his, his creature design is incredible. Uh, Devil's Backbone. Mm-hmm. You know, Pan's like, this Labyrinth. guy Pan's Labyrinth. Oh. He's got a, an attention to detail which is almost for fantasy, which is almost borderline sexy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so they thought like studios like here's take our money. It's mm-hmm. raining. It's raining. Right, yeah. It's raining Benjamins. Um, and so it's it's now sexy. I personally, segue, I would have really dug the shit out of what he would have done with a Hobbit movie. All right? Mm-hmm. I can see a Hobbit movie. I mean, he was he was a forerunner. Yeah, he almost did. All right. So coming back to this one. <laughs> now he has a movie about giant fucking robots. And I'm like, I am fine with this. I am fine with like the whole... Yes. Every, every beat with the robot... He had down. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm knowing fine. he and his creature studio are designing the monsters from another dimension, you Knife know, automatically, head. they are going to be awesome looking. They are going to be really, really weird and unsettling looking. Yes. But in a in an enjoyable, cool mm-hmm. way. And in that's a threatening horrible. way. And that's what I liked mm-hmm. about it. It wasn't just like... Uh, it was like... And he, he built up the credibility of the threats with... Like, the first one, Knife Head. When they were like, Knife Head, I'm like, okay... 
Let's see what Knifehead is going to do. Because Knifehead is probably, with a name like that, is going to mess somebody up. Right. And certainly it did. And I like how they said, this is like a level this, level this, level this. And yeah, it's generic. Well, this is a level five. First oh, one ever. Mm-hmm. First one ever. Here we go. But we were like, well, we're prepared for this. We've spent mm-hmm. the entire movie ready. We've had one one-on-ones, one-on-ones. Now we've had the two-on-ones. And the two-on-ones... With the uh, the spitting acid, yes, the EMP, the mm-hmm. the Deus Ex Machina, a DMP. Uh, how else are they going to uh, be smarter? Uh, smarter. My only issues, I think, with it uh, were really tiny. Were again the the character moments, but they were also like enlivened by things like Ron Perlman, mm-hmm. Charlie yes. Fucking Day. Because I'm like, this guy's just the weird, and like the guy from The Dark Knight Rises, that, that mm-hmm. actor. Yeah. Because it's like, these are going to be like these weird scientist characters who are like deliberately quirky, but at the same time, I'm like, they're deliberately quirky, but they're kind of fun to watch. They yeah. were kind of fun to watch. They were kind of stereotypical. But, but they but, were. But well, they were enjoyable. I mean, the actors made dealing with the end of the world. Mm-hmm. So you know, they found their way to. And the bellow was it Charlie's Day character who had all the tattoos? The kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, the kaiju the tattoos, really cool. the kaiju groupie. But then, the, then the other thing, and I guess I didn't understand it, but it might have been something interesting. But uh, his whole, uh, this is how I'm going to drift. Well, okay, so drifting is now clearly a very high-tech process. And then he's like, I'm going to drift with these chunks of brains. These kaiju brains. These kaiju brains. These chunks of kaiju brains. I'm going to find, you know, Hellboy in the middle of the, you know, chow, by the way. Uh, I'm going to find him in, like, I'm going to chunky, like, drift. But he... Why the bellows? Why the why the shitty why the shitty steampunk elements? Mm-hmm. Well, he, he, they said he made them from garbage basically right. because he couldn't get access to like the standard uh, drifting equipment. Right, but then at the same time, it's like make them from garbage. But we can make shit from garbage that looks an awful lot like like Star Trek nonsense from the '60s versus like a bellows that's going like this, <laughs> a leather strap that goes around the neck. You know, mm-hmm. and then these, these... Well, you have to remember, he is a nerd. It's entirely possible that Bellows was just for the effect. <laughs> right now, I'm, it's so, purely I'm yeah, they, so angry. He built a Bellows to push the button that activates the machine. I'm so angry at Brian Watson Jones right now for his, like, steam <laughs> because I bullshit. Because I'm potentially right? Potentially. Well, then yes. they should have both been wearing a top hat. And well, then, for all you know, hey, we've all know that Brian is on the payroll of Big Bellows. Big Steampunk. Big Bellows, Big yes. Steampunk. Big Gear. <laughs> Brian's favorite movie is Back to the Future 3. Anyway, um, uh, that's, I mean, little weird things were interesting, like, details. Mm-hmm. Probably not necessary to, like, like let's, like, say, we'll, we'll put fucking, like, jumper cables on the brain or something stupid mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. I... Well, well, no, you saw that you saw the like the snuffleupagus thing, the the yeah, the thump, 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 thump. I'm like, oh, yes, well, the grasping, whatever the hell it was. Right, it's a it's a trunk, That's trunk, exciting. or it's a nerve ending trying to connect to something. What it's trunk. been severed from, right? Whatever. Uh, my bottom line is, I love the shit out of it. I loved it. I thought the, I mean, fine. So, my favorite, and I told you last night, the favorite, my favorite part. And I think it was one of my favorite parts of Voltron, too, was when they all got into their individual lions. And, you know, forest lion, like, sand lion, underwater lion. When they got into the head, and the head was dropped mm-hmm. into place, I was like, here we are in a Voltron movie, and they're, like, locking into place. And they had all that dialogue, you know, like, you know, the hand-holding. Yeah. God damn it, what was the one? Little nice. Well... Okay, so that I can segue from that into something I, I really liked about the film that hasn't come up yet is the the world building of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the the repercussions that happen. The movie opens seven years into this problem, and then there from the first scene to the rest of the movie, there's a five year jump. So twelve years go by. Of course, there's a ton of slang that's come up about yeah, yeah, in yeah. the in the real world as well as in the military world of actually you know doing these things. There's um, they find Ron Perlman in an area called the Bone Slum. Because mm-hmm. it's a slum built in the, oh. the decayed skeleton of yeah. a kaiju that's fallen. Which is really cool. Yeah, and the fact that Ron Perlman runs a black market for stuff that he steals from dead kaiju before the military can get there. Of course there's a dude who became a millionaire doing that. Mm-hmm. Of course I liked, there is. I liked how you, whenever they'd come up with like the new 
saying of where they were. Mm-hmm. Josh, Josh, Josh had my six, and he was like, the bone. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I don't yeah. want to say anything. Mm-hmm. You know, like the bone stuffer. Yeah, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> bone stumps. The Jerusalems. And there was a nice little implication that they didn't explore further because it wasn't the movie for it, but the fact that all the rich people had been moved 300 miles inland from the Pacific area that was the problem. Mm-hmm. And there was a press conference where uh, reporters were yelling, what about the rest of us? And this nice little class stratification that must have happened. Like the East Coast is now where the rich Americans lived and the West Coast is empty mm-hmm. of anybody who can get out of there. Just because, hey, giant monsters show up every now and again. Where do they go? I, did, I didn't really think about that too much in terms of I didn't notice it when it was happening. Yeah, but well, just, I, I can imagine it there. And like, yeah, I mean they're not going to go into it because this isn't you know this isn't the Phantom Menace. No, it's an actual, actual movie. They're Campbell not going to spend thing. a long time yeah. in Congress and in debates. But these little implications that like yeah, the rest of the world is there's repercussions going on. It isn't just the robots, the mechs punching the monsters. It there's People who live in Europe, far from all of this, are still feeling the effects of this because it's kind of big. I want to. I want to really quick point out also, and the we we talked about like the the weird like the reverse psychology behind the movie. Like, what would you do first? Would you build a wall first? Or would you build mechs first? Yeah, because I made the point of, like, doesn't that seem backwards? Like, my initial reaction would be like, you know, I would probably build a wall. And you know some Republican congressman probably would suggest that. First you'd build giant flame bombs that could take it out. Because we already have planes. We don't Mm -hmm. have to develop giant robots. And that's how they took it out in the first first place. After six days, 35 miles, and three cities. Bullshit. Nice touch. Bullshit. We've We've got bombs, and they're like, well, these... We've got all these warheads, and like, well, right. drop a warhead into a monster's mouth, and it'll probably have a terrible well, case yeah. of indigestion. Then we have that weird math of what percentage of San Francisco has to be wrecked before you drop a nuke. Right. Okay. 35%, 50%, I don't know. And again, we talk about things like 9-11, and, you know, what happened, and do we scramble and mobilize jets, and we... Are now talking about gigantic monsters coming. <laughs> I'd be like, so do we scramble jets? Do we nuke them? What do we do, guys? Do we do we shoot them with guns? It's not exactly mm-hmm. something you'd expect to right. happen. Right. right. Yeah. We. Yeah. The fear factor, I think, is adds to it. I think one. Uh, since you both said like something that you really loved about this movie, uh, I think the my favorite thing was the kaiju in Hong Kong. The one that ha- I can't remember if it had a name. It wasn't the leatherback that was kind of reminiscent of a go- gorilla. It was the one with the long tail. Oh, the oh, one the with thing. the wings. And then the wings. Yes. And that's why I liked it, because it's, the tongue, it the kept surprising layers. you, because it's like, at first it spit, for yeah. one thing. Yes. Yeah, and you're like, oh acid. shit, it got spit. It got acid breath. Oh shit, it got spit. <laughs> oh shit, it got spit. <laughs> oh shit, it got spit. <laughs> spit just got real. <laughs> We're now the redneck. The redneck. Oh, damn, that dog, damn. Hey, welcome to Joe Real. Oh, shit, it got spit. Oh, yo, that just spat acid all over that giant robot, MacFella. He's go. oh, he's melting. Oh, that's not good water. Right, this is the reactor. Spoiler warning. Like, now, motherfucker now has, like, bat wings, and that's when we were like, oh. no! surprising you. That's God, what I love about it. that creature. Layers. Oh, it had yeah. a lot of layers to it. It yeah. just kept coming out of nowhere. You're like, oh my god, that thing has that! And we're just like, no, right. no, 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 But no, because no, it's no, good no monster fair. design, it's not like, where the hell were those wings being kept? You saw them come out like, oh, oh, that's bad. <laughs> then that's where the fucking... Oh, these guys are not designed to fly. That's where the sword came from. Okay, yes. so, okay, surprise! Or the metal blades. Yeah, we, yeah the, all of a oh, sudden we have a Voltron sword. We have, like, the, yeah, we have a Voltron sword. Okay, so all of a sudden we have wings, and like, well, then let's like bisect it. Let's vivisect this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I that... can't even imagine the force involved to do that when he vivisected it, like cut it in half like that. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> why do you not care. open with that? <laughs> How come I didn't know that you had that? <laughs> we were we were mentally connected. <laughs> I kept that from you. <laughs> so why would I... you leave out the new features on my mech and then make me pilot it against giant monsters? Really quick, the last thing I want to say. Um, is and scale. Mm. This movie, um, character moments like the scale of this movie was amazing. I adored it. I I, th- I don't think this is like the best movie I've ever seen in my life. But fuck all, every 
detail he had painted to an inch of its life. The the yeah. Go ahead. And clear yeah. like that scale. I could understand almost everything that was happening. It yes. wasn't muddled. It wasn't confusing. I understood every beat of the fights as they were happening. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like uh, just in terms of like you could you can make a you can make a point of like the found footage movie where it's all shaky cam and everything. I mm-hmm. don't understand. I don't know what's going on half the time. It, right. It yeah. Might look cool to some people, but this it was just like the scale of it, the sense of hugeness was just amazing and yeah. like I want I was engaged with every moment of it and that's what I really loved and it was yeah. really beautiful it was <laughs> oh yeah I yeah, the, it was beautiful the, the monsters were eerily beautiful yeah. and the eerily, monsters were spectacular aside from the monsters the design of the mechs they yeah. felt very real you could see the the ripple effect of of a mechanized leg moving you could actually see like okay so then these pistons activate and, da, da, and that retracts and then it balances slightly like a walking thing would. oh the running the when it was like we need to hurry up and i was worried like you have to get there and it's like they're hurt they're running and it was just like boom and you're like it's gonna hurry up it's gonna get there it's not like superman getting there in like a nanosecond it's running and then yeah. it, it God, the gradual it's pace. It's huge and it can cover ground, but it's still mm-hmm. got to do it. Yeah, and I and I told Josh this last night. I love the fact that Gypsy Danger stepped over things to be safe. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like I love that strangely, too. like strangely, like yeah. I'm not gonna like it's not it's not gonna destroy everything. It's not gonna be like right when it's fighting mass. a monster, it'll go it'll throw the monster through an office building because you got to take it down. But if it's just going there somewhere. Why would you step on a walkway? Last thing I want to uh, bring up. Uh, Your last, to, last thing? My last, last thing. Ooh. The, the cut scene at the end. How do you guys feel about that? Uh, uh, Ron Perlman being who he is, because he is like 19 feet tall, Hellboy, chin. Mm-hmm. Ron Perlman. Was it good or bad? I mean, was that a fun... Was that a fun little? It was fun. It was. It was definitely fun. But I don't know if I needed it there or anything. I mean, I mean, would you have been fine with him being chump, 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 chump? Yeah, I would be fine with that. Well, the way I I assumed he was dead. Spoiler. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Stars. We've given some pretty significant spoilers to the movie. I hope you weren't listening very hard. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It was. I was listening. So I liked it. It felt like the right sort of thing to cap off at the end of a credit sequence. Like if it had been in the film. That would have been it. Would have been too goofy. It would right. have taken. It would have added a layer of goofy. But when it's after everything's done, the only things you can do at the end of those credit sequences is either set up a sequel, which they didn't do, which was kind of nice. Maybe they'll make one. Who knows? I don't care. Right. <laughs> if they make one, I trust Guillermo del Toro to actually justify it. Like if he does it, if he can't justify a sequel, he'll just make a different movie. Mm-hmm. Right. So. So you can either set up a sequel at the end of those credit sequences, or you can just do a nice bit of character work. And that's what they did. Just a nice little character thing. Yeah, it was a Where is my... Oh. Yeah. Shoes. Shoe fetish. Shoe. Yeah. Shoes go together, you see. <laughs> just like the Mecha Pilots. In case you're curious... Uh, this you can't movie, have one without the other. This movie shoe. has a sexy shoe fetish. And nose fetish. There's a lot and of nose, nose, nose oh, stuff. Oh, right, right. The bleed yeah, they, they've Omar really perfected shoe. the art of nosebleeds on film. Yes, uh, it's, Polanski. It's yeah. a very Polanski thing. <laughs> you know what happens to nosy Jaeger pilots? Yeah. They lose the noses. Yeah. Pull it out. Chink. Uh, I, and who did it better? Which? Which one? Shoe fetishes? Who did? Well, the blood from the nose the best. Which one did it better, Pacific Rim or Gojira? Well, do you want to wait until we're after, we actually compare oh, yeah, it let's, to them? Let's compare. Why don't we take a break first, and then we'll get to that. Whew. And we're back. Ooh. And now we're going to compare these bad boys. We're going to compare them so hard. I'm uncomfortable with the way that this is going. <laughs> that sexy shoe fetish really did something for you. So, that shoe fetish didn't do anything for me, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm so happy a movie like Pacific Rim came out. Mm. Uh, as, as an adult, as a man in his late 30s who grew up watching... Like monster movies, uh, playing with giant robots. Watching Josh, one out of every three animes. Yeah, right. Uh, Josh made a point to say that Transformers, uh, the Michael Bay Transformers, 
were a muddled hodgepodge of you, you just could not understand the f- what the fuck was going on. Michael Bay, grab a notepad and watch Pacific Rim mm-hmm. because that exactly is what happened when I want to watch a giant robot fight a monster. I think uh, Ebert made the point of Transformers 2 when it came out that it's just like a kid in a kitchen with all the pots and pans and banging them around all over the place. Yeah. And that's basically what Transformers 2 was. But this is like a little kid, you know, studiously doing his homework, creating beautiful music as he practices his violin or his drums or whatever. It's it's nice that there's people out there that know and, and can appreciate and listen to us and and with us. They just, they're like, this is kind of what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we know exactly the, the beats and the score. Well, you know, Michael Bay and Guillermo del Toro are sort of the two sides of the same coin. Sure. They both like cool shit. Right. Michael Bay just puts it out there in front of your face. Whereas Guillermo del Toro just puts it out there, is very like uh, meticulous about the research that he does, the the set that he's that the feel, the world building that he's doing. Whereas Michael Bay cares nothing for well, that. Well, Michael Bay should be a special effects choreographer. He should run a special effects house. No, he should work for a guy like Guillermo del Toro. Where Guillermo del Toro... Well, that's what I'm saying. He, he should like, be a guy that directors go to when they say, all right, we're, this happens, this happens, then we need a really like a cool car yeah. chase. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he should design the really cool car chase, because he would nail it. Yeah. And, and if you Guillermo del Toro, he does the incredible monster design, creature design, but he can also direct a movie. It's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. I think that this movie... <laughs> I'm I'm so happy we went and saw it together because that is just gorgeous filmmaking, like gorgeous monster fights. I want to see big monsters fight big mechs, and that that just that made me that made the little eleven year old Mike Postel very happy that it it was able to see it happen. Seeing Transformers and little eleven year old Mike Postel was like I don't know what the fuck is going on except Megan Fox is really pretty and doesn't look like she knows how to fix a car, and I hate hate Shia LaBeouf about as much as I hate him as I did in an Indiana Jones movie, so fuck you, Shia LaBeouf. I, I like how naturally this progressed from a comparison of Godzilla to a comparison to Pacific of Transformers Rim, to a comparison of Transformers. Of it came up last just, night. But it, it just organic. I feel that would be an interesting double bill, actually. Oh, there's a, with this. There's a there's like four double bills we can grow from this. I'm Seriously, and, 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 we, and, we, and yeah. we talked about that, and I thought that maybe uh, we could talk about things like uh, Young Sherlock Holmes, which was the birth of the ILM uh, interaction with with things that weren't existent. Mm-hmm. But this this world that they and that's what he does so well. He builds his world up. Um, and yeah, okay, so sure. There's really stilted dialogue about like you know parents and bowing to their kids and bloody noses. But at the same time, he's like got the details of the suits and the mm-hmm. and the and the backbones and the, the oh. There's just things that make me really happy. And it balanced me out well enough that I could not be like, this movie is so stupid. And I can get the whole people who are like, this movie is stupid. But it's actually a really great action sequence. And, like, the beats are all there to make a quality fucking movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that re- that bears repeat viewing. So I think people need to watch it again and again. Fuck Michael Bay. Fuck the Transformers. Unless you're watching the old cartoons, I guess. You got the touch. <laughs> well, I think we talk about a lot in the theater community anyway about new new work. Mm-hmm. This is new work. That's why it's not well attended. Is and well attended. It's still a blockbuster movie. Uh, it's still making bank in not only the U.S. but in like the international markets. It's it's. Not the big blockbuster that Hollywood expected it to be, but it's still doing fairly well. Right. Well, I mean, it, it came in with a lot of weird baggage. You know, coming in with, we're making a giant robot movie. is not the same as we're making a Batman movie. Or, you know, it's a, still franchi- more, or a Transformers or a, movie. Or a franchise we've still got, movie. Right, we've got right. our, our core group that's going to go see it because somebody made a big budget giant robot movie. But it's still got sort of that nerd stank attached to it. Mm-hmm. Where that's a, li- that's a little too nerdy. Fellas, well, maybe right? they should like drag that behind their fucking horse for a while. Well, yeah, and, like, I, get I concur. Get some more nerds on it because I think that's... This movie. We'll get the nerds on it right away. Right. Right away, sir. They're going to follow us with our podcast. Yes. God damn right they are. 
And so, like, boys, the actual connections between two said right? films. Yeah. Yes. Well, obviously, let's start with the bloody obvious. Giant, mo- giant monsters coming Roar! from the sea. Giant monsters coming from the sea and going, man, you know what? Fuck cities. I'm yep. going to go step on all the bridges I can find. <laughs> I'm going to pick the bridges up and throw them at the other bridges. Uh, what I liked, uh, actually, what I liked about in terms of, like, the first time we see Godzilla see him, he's coming out of the sea. And the first time I think we see a Mecha in, uh, or a Jaeger in Pacific Rim, it's coming out of the sea. Yep. So mm-hmm. I like that kind of dynamic, that kind of different things. Uh, we talked about this, and it's a very important point. Uh, the progenitor, Godzilla, Gojira. Gojira. Um, they have the hero, the, the, the hero who is now going to die. The hero scientist with the, the hero patch. scientist who is going to die for, to save everybody. Mm-hmm. And in 1956, I know we're like, well, we're, we're used to like the, the martyr jumping in and like saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going right. to pull my shoot. Somebody's going to jump on the grenade. So now we have it in Godzilla. And the scientist with the one eye is going to jump in the water and, I guess, turn it into club soda and digest a humongous right. skeleton. Well, you had an interesting comparison about, like, the underwater sequence. Yeah, yeah, it is It is an interesting thing because you have all the really cool on-land action sequences and the, the Armageddon porn of watching cities get smashed by somebody big. Yep. Um, and then, but ultimately, the final battle is we got to send our, our two best men, or two best Jaegers, down into the water with something poisonous, which in Godzilla is, you know, this imaginary... An actual poison. Right, Mm -hmm. imaginary thing that deoxygenates water, causing all organic matter to dissolve. Which I didn't understand, but whatever. No, well, the dinosaurs dressed. We've already established a million years ago. Science isn't good in this film. These are science words we know. Um, And in Pacific Rim, it's a nuclear bomb because, you know, hey... Nuclear bombs, but the Trump card that's our, since that's our 1945. And I thought so. they, I thought that when the first bomb went off, by the way, the the fish that flopped out and they landed on the the floor of the seabed. I'm like, why didn't they float up? Right. God, well, you no, know, it's it was bits of a of a kaiju, but it's still no, no, they, no, they, they, were, they were fish. They well, were whatever they fish. were, even if they were floating down, they were going too fast to be in water. Right. It, it was land. That was air speed. They were landing on the ground. See, when you were talking about nuclear bombs, it just came to be that like Godzilla theoretically begins with a nuclear bomb, mm-hmm. and Pacific Rim ends with one. Yeah. It's Alpha and the bombs. Omega. We've invented Alpha giant robots, but we haven't invented some sort of plot device bomb like half the sci-fi movies. Yet they have like a huge plasma cannon that they're just waving around all over the place. Right, yeah. yeah. We shoot giant missiles out of our chest without empty, frying the guys inside. Empty, empty the fucking clip. But wait, to make plasma sure they're dead? have what? Well, why don't we just like do this knife and be like stab, 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 and then we don't waste ammunition. Right. Ooh, we used it up. Isn't there a second one? Oh. Chop, 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 chop. Run. The Ron, the Ron Popeil mecca. <laughs> it slices, it dices. Look at that tomato. Right. Well, you anyway. You even cut a tin can with it. Chop, chop, chop. But you wouldn't want to. No. Right. All right. Um, tin cans are hard. So, yeah. Giant fight at the base of the Pacific floor, which... Because it's the home base for the monsters in both of them, because the Pacific's big, and even today there's a lot of the oceans we haven't mapped, so, you know, yeah, we'll have the giant threat James Cram- there. James Cameron's getting there, but... Right. Doing his best. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, um, James Cameron. Thanks, Jimbo. So, yeah, have the threat come from there, because it's still it's still sort of mysterious, even if, you know, 99% of the seafloor we haven't mapped is just, you know, different variations of piles of rocks and mud and fish. Right. Um... It's still a good place to have a dark, mysterious threat come Mm -hmm. from, because we don't really understand most of what's down there. Yes. Every time they go down, they find 20 species of fish they've never seen before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And occasionally giant squids. And occasionally kaiju. And occasionally the Decepticons that were placed there Mm -hmm. after they were torn up. I don't know what more we're going to add about this film. No, I mean, I'm going to put out there, if you are interested in this kind of movie, see it. And see it in 3D and mm-hmm. see it on the big screen. Because I don't think... I mean, do you think you'd lose something? From which one? Uh, well, Pacific, Pacific Rim. Rim. Watching it at home? 
I think, well, I think see it any way you can see it. If you can see it on the big screen, go go fucking see it on yeah. it. Yeah. I had a little trouble with the 3D this time. I don't normally get nauseous with 3D, but this one took me about There was a 40. lot of 3D coming at you. Yeah, it yeah. took me about 45 minutes to adjust to this one. So that the first couple of battles I kind of missed because I was going, oh, it, uh, damn it. So, yeah, I mean, obviously there were a lot of parallels, but there's not a lot to mine. I mean, we've already talked about a lot of them. Mm-hmm just from talking about the films. And yeah, in a lot of ways, it's very similar. Oh, one thing I did want to bring up that I wrote down in my notes, but I forgot to look at them. Um, there's this, like, Godzilla does this, I think, almost unintentionally, but it creates a multicultural film. Oh, yeah. Whereas Pacific Rim is a multicultural film to start with. And so I yes. thought that was sort of interesting. Right. And just from that perspective, because you have the American and the Japanese basically working together in that film. I mean, mm -hmm. it wasn't originally intended that way, but mm -hmm. uh, for American audience, that's, was, that's what happened. The American was spliced in there. Uh, but... Uh, I feel like Pacific Rim is a very international film. Like it's yeah. very well, they, they, everything is very represented. Yeah, they had very good representation from every country that's got Pacific coastline. There were I Russians, mean, there were Australians, Australians, Austrians. Yeah, <laughs> they're not on the Pacific Rim. Japanese. Australians. They talked about attacks on Manila. Although I don't think they had many Filipino characters. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Chinese. They're the three. Are the three. Armed Jaeger oh. was such a neat revelation. That was cool. When it started stomping out, you're just like, that. <laughs> it was just, it, this whole movie was like an arm pump. That's mm -hmm. what I felt like. It was like a really big arm pump. Mm -hmm. The the stocky, stupid, like, brash, like, stomped headed uh, steampunk Russian one, and then the, the three armed Chinese one. And it just, it, they had their personalities, which I thought was awesome. It wasn't just like stupid robots like stomping through the water and terrible actions. It was like these robots have personalities. Well, they have to be well defined, otherwise, uh, <laughs> otherwise they're, you know. Uh, the Decepticons and yeah, uh, yes, 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 whatever the main, the good guys. I'm sorry, I'm Autobots. Autobots, thank you. Uh, Where are we? I'm sorry. Right, but uh, well, I mean, uh, otherwise you're watching those, three that, Toyota like, Camrys painted different colors. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, you can't you can't tell Ooh. them apart at all, and that's one of the that problems with the visual storytelling yeah. in Transformers. Whereas this, they're very distinct. You could tell them apart. It, mm -hmm. it worked beautifully. And maybe that's something that even came out of like watching Transformers and being like, I can't tell what the hell is going on here. Why don't we make our things very distinct? Right. Thanks, Guillermo. Thank you very much. Thanks for putting some thought into it, buddy. Right. Whereas Godzilla had Raymond Burr in a, in a suit. Was and it Raymond Burr in a yeah. suit? <laughs> and an eye mm -hmm. patch. Oh. All right. Um, who did it better? Well, if you're talking about big, huge, giant monsters, Pacific Rim did it better. You're right, they had more than one. If you're if you're talking about being uh, the source of an entire genre, Godzilla did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, there were some revolutionary things in Pacific Rim that I think will have effects on future films. But yeah, Godzilla started that. They, that was the one that took root. Yep. Thanks, Grandma. Grandpa. Thanks, thanks Grandma Japan. Thanks, Grapan. Grapan? No, I'm I'm grateful for Godzilla for actually birthing the idea of having the giant. Because, yeah. I mean, I, honestly, Godzilla, the idea even of a radiated monster is coming from the sea. Right, blah, blah, blah. yeah, really ballsy allegory. Mm -hmm. we, we have them. We have, like, I mean, they'll, they'll, you can look online to see how that genre blew, blew forth, like, the giant monsters. Them, it came from beneath the earth, you know, like, monsters, dinosaurs, these fantastic, you know, like claymation mm -hmm. like creations that came forth. And if that gave birth to the enjoyment we have from Pacific Rim, then I am grateful. And I think, yeah, Pacific Rim pretty much put the fantastic topping on the, the frosting on the cake. Um, yay. I just, thanks, guys. That was great. Thanks mm -hmm. for indulging me. It was great. Yeah. But we'll be indulging Brian next, won't Ooh, we? It's my Danger. Favorite. Yes, and not just that, but we'll actually be doing a couple of new things with <gasps> So far, every pairing we've had has been two movies, which is sort of a natural thing for a double bill, but yeah. is not actually a requirement, so I will be doing something new next time. Uh, I'm very excited about It's a pairing I've wanted to do for many years and never had an excuse to, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the analysis of it is. We will be doing The Dark Side of the Oz, wherein we watch The Wizard of Oz while playing The Dark Side of the Moon. 
long a long time stoner favorite. Supposedly, a lot of intentional consistencies. Why are you at me? I, I'm I'm just I'm looking. You know, no comment. You know, no one can tell you're actually looking at him. Yeah, I, I know, don't right? Even know what you're talking about? <laughs> do, 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 do. So, it'll be something new. We'll be comparing a movie to a musical album. We'll be playing them simultaneously instead of experiencing one, then the other, and then the con- then comparing and contrasting. And, I don't know, it's an interesting comparison to make. I've always wanted to do it, as I said. It might horribly fail. It might just be playing me. We might as well... It might turn out that we might as well have been playing The Wall while watching Citizen Kane. We'll find out. <laughs> but it is something I'm very excited to try. And, as we actually learned during the previews for Pacific Rim, we're coming up on the 75th anniversary of Wizard of Oz, so... Topical. Topical. Who knew? Accidentally touching the zeitgeist. So if you want to see The Wizard of Oz in 3D, which I believe, and remastered, you, right, can, remastered, you yeah. can go to the theater on September 20th, as I think, when it comes out. It's like that midget is hanging himself right in your lap. <laughs> and maybe get a little uh, topical cream for your zeitgeist. Ugh. Actually, it looked like the Tin Man had horrible acne when we were watching the remastered version yeah, of it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, no, no and comment. The, the Wicked Witch had the... I could see the... the delineation of her eye makeup it was very strange yeah and then the fact i could also see the hesitation in her face when like oh we're gonna have pyrotechnics without protection when she actually got set on fire the first time (laughs) yeah Mm. ah history Ah, history. so we'll be watching that while pink floyd takes a wandering through you know whatever was on pink floyd's mind at the time and we'll see you then when we do that Mm. If you like the podcast, share it on Facebook and Twitter. And our music in the podcast is by Anna Weggle. Yay, Anna! You can look at more of her work at AnnaWeggle.com. Double bill, double bill. Comparing culture, it's double bill. Putting two things together, it's double bill. It's double bill. And if you happen to have a gigantic robot suit, can I drive it? Can I drift with it? Just for five minutes. I don't mind drifting with Brian, even though it's dirty. Hmm. You're not learn things about each other we never knew. Shh. Can we do a drifting three-way? Ooh. If we can have buzzsaw hands, I'm in. Yes. <laughs> dirty. Dirty. Dirty boys. Dirty. <laughs>